Welcome to the Carrots and Cake Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Hopper, an FDN practitioner, author, mom, and IBD advocate. Tune in each week for real-life advice and strategies for becoming your happiest and healthiest self, all while thriving in the gray area. Trust me when I say, you can have your carrots and cake too. Welcome to the next episode of the Carrots and Cake Podcast. Today, I have Jen Kirsch, who is a certified personal trainer and nutrition coach who has dedicated her career to helping women over 40 achieve their fitness goals. And she is someone who I've personally met a number of times through the business mastermind that I'm in. And she's a great person to follow on Instagram. So I'll make sure to leave her Instagram handle. But welcome, Jen. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Tina. I'm excited that uh, you asked me to be on. I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think the two of us have a lot in common as far as like the type of women we work with and a lot of our philosophies on things. But I figured we'd, you know, we could jump right into this with just maybe a little background on who you are, what you do. Um, and then I don't know, maybe sharing some details like how you got into all of this. Sure. Yeah. So actually, I have my kids <clears throat> very young. Very young. Like, in fact, I was not even out of college before I had my first child. Um, they're all grown now, but I, I bring that up because I was a really young mom and I I found fitness actually in, in college. It really made a massive impact on my life as far as like my mental health. Um, and so I knew I kind of fell into it as a career because I was a stay-at-home mom. And I was like, I don't really want to go get a corporate job where I'm putting my kids in daycare, but I really want to do something. What could I do? And I'm like, well, I'm, and my thought process was literally this. Well, I'm at the gym every day anyway. And I remember loving step class and I'm like, I could do that. And that was when spin first came out. So I was 1995 or six. So I got certified. I got certified in like group fitness and spin like right away. Started teaching a year later, became a personal trainer. Two years after that, became a fitness director. And just it's so again, it was sort of accidental. I never went into it saying, this is going to be my career path. Because honestly, back in like the early 90s, like there really wasn't such thing as personal trainers. Not so much, you know, except for celebrities, definitely not for regular people was not as not as commonplace. So anyway, so that that's kind of how I got into fitness. And, um, you know, now my, my business looks a little bit different because so much of it's online. Um, but yeah, I mean, I work predominantly now with women over, I pause there, women over 50, but I work with some men too. So I live in Connecticut and I worked out of a very small, I hate to use the word boutique studio, but it was, you know, very small studio, um, focusing mainly on functional fitness for, for adults. And I just ended up, you know, kind of my, some of my clients I've had for 20 years and they just have kind of, fought, you know, stayed with me and I've grown up with them and <laughs> saw them, seen them through lots of different health issues and life issues and orthopedic things and, you know, all the things that we go through in, in midlife. So that's that, that's the general, general A to, A to Z, how I got where I am now, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Love your story. And like, how did the online stuff happen? Was it because of COVID or it just kind of made sense at that point, but like you offer um, online fitness programs for the most part, correct? And some nutrition coaching, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so basically how it started, I know it's, I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, oh my gosh, then I can't believe like three and a half years have gone by. Right. Um, I had been kind of thinking about like how I would get into the online space because I'm in my fifties now. I, I turn, I actually turned 50 the year of the pandemic. And I was like, you know, I just, I don't know that I want this like early morning grind in the gym, like for the rest of my life, I got to kind of figure something else out, but I never really had, um, my, my goal was not to like scale it to this, you know, to scale it to the size that it is. That just was sort of, has sort of happened and I've been running with it and having a blast. But, um, so, but the way that I started online actually was when we went into the pandemic, I just was like, Hey guys, why don't we work out via zoom? Like the current clients I had. And so I was running things on, I wasn't really a big Instagram user back in those days. In fact, I had let my account like go dormant until like the second week of March. And I was like, well, this is sort of the, you know, the only conduit we have to people. And so people were finding me from, you know, I have lived in Connecticut since, uh, you know, like, uh, the year 2000, but like people were finding me that I used to know when I lived out West and you know how social media is. So they were popping in joining classes. So anyway, that was, that was kind of how I started. So it was my local community working out online, 
with the pandemic, but then I joined Jill Coleman's program, FBA. And I was like, well, how would I do this like on a larger scale? And I actually started growing my nutrition business through social media first, because I was not really doing all that much of that, even though I had been certified. So, and then, you know, it just kind of grew from there. I just started creating group programs. You know, my first group program, I had, I think 35 people or something sign up. And then the most recent one, I had 300. So yeah, it got big, it got big fast, but it's a blast. That's actually really, really fun to, you know, connect with women from all over the world, honestly, you know, helping them, helping them. My, my specialty really is to provide fitness programs for, you know, women, women in midlife and beyond that they can do at home. You know, that, that going to the gym is not, or lack, whether it's through lack of desire or not feeling confident, whatever, I wanted to be able to provide fitness programs that give people results they can actually just do right from home. And many of my programs are like 30 minutes a day so that, you know, I, we don't want time to be the barrier that keeps somebody from improving their fitness or improving their strength, muscle mass, flexibility, all all the things we know that are so important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I've recommended your programs to a few different clients over the Thank years. You. Yeah. yeah, of course. And yeah, so you've been in the game a really long time, many decades. And yeah. I feel like your philosophy on like fitness and nutrition, um, I do feel like it's a little bit different. And maybe it's just like the clientele that you work with, you know, they are, you know, 40 plus even into their 50s, 60s and beyond. But do you want to talk a little bit about just how you're different than other online fitness coaches? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's so interesting to me because one of the things that I personally struggle with in social media, and I'm sure you can relate to this as somebody who creates content as well, is that, you know, a lot of times, listen, when we are living in a country where 70%, 75% of people are overweight, you know, that that's, that's, um, that's a health concern for many people. Right. But I have to say, I personally just dance around that because I never want weight loss to be somebody's first goal. Right. I, I really do prefer to think about it from a health first perspective and that he- and that healthiness encompasses a lot of things, right. That's not just the way your body looks and it's definitely not the weight all the scale, although, you know, underweight or overweight, right. Your weight can be a marker of your health, but it's not the only weight the only uh, marker. And so for me, you know, I don't market myself as a fat loss coach, even though I can help women, you know, change their body composition and lose weight. So it wouldn't be accurate for me to say that I don't do that, but that isn't my first goal. I really do tend to look at things more holistically. My, um, the nutrition program that I run is more of a lifestyle program. I have two nutrition programs, but one, one of my group coaching programs, and we really talk about all of the different factors, right? So yes, there are some education around good nutritional practices to support health, which quite frankly, I think you have to have if you have a weight loss goal. So it's not just about counting calories and counting macros, although that's it's helpful to have a knowledge of that, but that is absolutely not the only thing. I think my biggest beef with anything that is, um, you know, that is like a, a plan <laughs> is that, because I'm just not that way, you know, I'm more of a gray area thinker. I don't like to, you know, give me rules. I will probably break them. And I find that, you know, what was happening a lot when I used to coach more in a macro-based style back in my, you know, my twenties, when I first started coaching nutrition was that people would get very anxious when they couldn't follow things to the letter. And I'm like, you know, there's so much more to this. And quite honestly, the 20, you know, the 28 year old nutrition coach in me couldn't have even begin to have grasped what people go through in midlife because hey, I just didn't have the, I didn't have wisdom on my side. And now at, I'll be 53 in a couple of weeks. I'm like, now I have wisdom. Like I've seen some things, I've experienced some things. So I always am looking with the clients that I'm working with through that lens. And that's his nutrition and lifestyle. And then when it comes to fitness, I would also say this, you know, it's very, I think kind of off-putting when you hear, you know, I think we do women a disservice by, you know, the, the verbiage around like women in midlife, like you have to strength train and it has to be heavy. It's like, well, what about the women who have never picked up a dumbbell ever? Like what about them? If they, if, if that's saying, sending a signal to somebody that like, I, I don't think I could ever get there. Like that's, that's the, we're sending the wrong message. So I have been working with people with my eyes on, and I still do see people in person for a really long time, you know, 27 years. So I kind of have a general sense of like some of the issues that people run up against as far as their movement patterns and things like that. So yes, we do strength training, but we're also looking at other factors in their bodies and their movement and 
Um, so yeah, in that way, it is a little bit more holistic. It's not so prescriptive. It's prescriptive to an extent, like here's a program, but I'm always viewing it through the lens. Like even it's something as small as my cueing and I'll be like, Hey, I want you to take a look at your feet notice where your knee is lined up on your ankle. And here's why, right? Here's why that's important to you. Not just do this, follow that. So that was a long, yeah, long, long answer there, but that's, (laughs) Oh, I love the long answers. I'm always <laughs> detailed and long-winded because there's a lot to say. And I feel like a lot of this is so nuanced. I mean, just what you said about lifting heavy, but yeah, that's great and wonderful for many, many women. But like, if you've never worked out and you've only done cardio and you've never lifted a dumbbell, like do you have to start at a different place? So I do think it is important to kind of identify that, you know, a lot of this weight loss, changing your body composition, getting healthy, it really is a holistic approach. Just like you said, it's more health first than just simply focusing on weight loss. And one of the things that we talked about before we, you know, hit record on this episode was just how much stress plays into women's lives, especially at this, you know, you know, perimenopause, menopause phase of life. So do you want to talk a little bit just about how I feel like a lot of women, they don't realize how much the stress is impacting them. Or if you tell them that they need to manage stress, it's very vague and they like, don't really know what to do. Or they simply say, oh, I'm not really that stressed, but it's a big factor when it comes to changing your body, losing weight, motivation to do the workout. So, um, yeah, I feel like you probably have a few things to say about stress. I know. And I'll like, <laughs> like, where do I start? Yeah, you know, I know, it was funny when we, I was thinking about this a little bit in an awe, and this is actually dovetailing off of what I said before about the clients that I work with over the years. I'm going to have a client who I have worked with for, I have to think about this for 22 years been personal training for 22 years and people might go, wow, you still, like, you're still working on that goal. It's like the goal is to stay consistent. The goal for her is to stay accountable and to work around some of the injuries that she's had. But even the life stuff that I've been through with her from divorce to, um, you know, some freak injuries, um, a, a knee replacement, like all of these things. Right. And I would say, I look at like all of my clients and I'm like, I had another, you know, another one that um, went through breast cancer, another one that went through an ankle replacement, another one that had a kid with some serious issues. So where I'm going with this is like everybody, everybody has stress. And, and sometimes it's these big, massive stresses like an illness, right? Something that absolutely can't control. So we really can't do a whole lot about that, right? We can't do too much about the things that we can control. Um, age, I think, well, with my age in particular, but like a lot of people in their fifties are dealing with eight elderly parents at this point, you know, and that's becoming another stressor all while raising their, you know, um, empty nesting. It's just all of the things, right? So, but I do think, and I was, I think so many women, because they're so wired to be, I think women, many women are wired to be a little bit, um, people pleasing. Cause it's just kind of like, kind of how we were nurtured. Okay. I think that, that starts to play out when we get into our adulthood, especially among well, not exclusively to moms, but I'd say definitely among moms, like, especially if you have kids, like the kids, most of the time take the, you know, they're the first focus of everything, which is, which is great to an extent, but it can be overwhelming. Couple that with, you know, if you do work outside the home or you're trying to, you know, do volunteer work or whatever it is that you have going on in your life. And I think what a lot of women do, and I know that I was guilty of this, is you start, the to-do list starts to mount and there's an anxiety that's created around that. And it's like, well, I want to be productive and I want to get all these things done and I want to do stuff for myself. So let me keep adding stuff to the list when all of a sudden you're like, and then you, and then it's the, like the shame cycle because you're like, oh, I can never get this done. And then you just, you know, you lose motivation, you give up. I think stress is really like if people think about it on a, I think about it like on a continuum, like you have the little low grade stressors that are like, okay, you have a deadline, um, you're launching a fitness program, whatever it is. And you're kind of like, okay, you gotta be like, you gotta have your act together, you know, and you've got a long list to get through, but then like the idea is to like have it calm down. Right. And, but I think what a lot of women do, what I have observed and I have observed it in myself too. So it's like definitely something I have had to actively work on, but that sort of inclination to add more. It's like, you almost don't know what to do when it's not there and you start creating it. And I I just don't think that's particularly healthy. Um, I know it's not particularly healthy because then overall it affects your motivation. It can affect your appetite. It can affect your ability to sleep. So then, so then we talk about like stress, 
in the framework of how it affects our hormones, especially when we're dealing with women in perimenopause and menopause, um, or the transition into menopause is that, you know, your, your hormones are already in flux and you couple that with a high stress lifestyle, you know, and again, that high stress lifestyle doesn't mean that you're working a corporate job, working 70 hours a week and drinking every night, but it might mean that you're running around with your hair on fire, trying to be everything to everyone, right? That's your, that's what your stress looks like. So, you know, it takes all different forms. And I think that the real issue is just not recognizing it and and that sort of pull to feel like there's always more you could be doing, which is where, and I'm sure you see this too, Tina, in your co- you know, coaching is that when women come to us and they have a weight loss goal and they want to follow the plan, right? Tell me the calories, tell me the macros, tell me the workouts, especially with a perfectionist type of personality, they're like, okay. To me, I'm like, that's just adding more stress to your plate. Mm-hmm. Let's start with looking at how you organize your time. Like to me, that's a time, it's a time management is a huge thing. And it's boundaries around time. It's your ability to see, you know, see your week at a glance, all that stuff. But it's that chronic stress and that elevation of cortisol, which I think, it, you know, again, it ultimately affects your sleep. It uh, it affects your body's ability to repair itself from any workouts that you're doing. So you know, I, I think it's not so simple to say, you know, we put these inputs of calories in <laughs> and we get calories out and then it should all take care of itself within the context, especially if somebody has a weight loss goal, right? The, the stress piece is, is so, so huge. And I do think, I think um, that's something that a lot of women just don't really fully realize. And they don't necessarily see that they're in that amount of stress because it's just like, oh, this is just my pattern. This is my way of being. I said, that's your operating mode. And I know it was for mine for many, many years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm glad you identified a few of these things because especially like the weight loss equation, like this idea of like calories in, calories out. And I mean, if it was that simple, none of us would have issues losing weight and changing our bodies. But just as you were saying, I feel like women just live these like high stress lifestyles and it's just chronic stress, like all day, every day. And you almost get used to that. And that is your normal and how you operate. And that was very much me for many, many years. Like I couldn't even sit on the couch for like five minutes without feeling like you feel guilty. There's something something else I could be doing, you know, and it, and it, it absolutely perpetuates itself. And I think too, like, like I come from coming from a fitness background, I would say like in my thirties and I would probably this, if I look back, I'm like, yeah, it's probably started like in my thir- early thirties and continued up until about the time I was 45 is the using of exercise as a way to alleviate my stress. Mm-hmm. But I look back at it now and I'm like, oh, but totally overdoing it because it wasn't unusual for me to be like, teach a step class at 8.30 in the morning and teach a spin at night, right, right after. So like all of the exercise, then I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go for a run for me to clear my head. So I'm yeah. like going, going, underfeeding myself because I'm like, I, I, you know, wouldn't slow down enough to like actually eat a meal. Then in the afternoon, you're like absolutely ravenous because you, you know, burn so, through so much energy in the day. Um, you know, just started feel, really feeling the effects of that personally in my early 40s. De- develop some gut issues, develop, you know, I was gaining weight, even though I was, you know, like doing the same things I've always done. Like <laughs> those are my air quotes, quotes there, but it's true, right? We all like, oh, the things I used to do aren't working anymore. It's like, well, what I was used to do was burning myself right out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That's the thing. When you hit this phase of life, we just don't have the same stress resilience as that we did in our twenties and thirties. And yeah, like going for a run to de-stress is probably like doing the opposite of what you really want it to do. And something, you know, you briefly mentioned um, before we hit record, but I just feel, felt like it's like a really helpful thing for women just to like I don't know, maybe change their thinking around is, yeah, stress. It's not something that we can just avoid and, you know, go to a tropical island and like avoid all people and just, you know, yeah. relax and, you know, recover and everything. Like it's it's real life and there's just things that we have to deal with. But there is this idea of kind of like productive stress and then like the non-productive stress. But is that something you could talk to a little bit more? Because I do think that could be a really helpful um, idea for women to like really grasp onto. 
Yeah. And I, well, I would say this, you know, you have to look at what you're, to me, look at what you're really spending your time on and how much of that is going to move the needle and whatever that looks like for you, right? If you are, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you are professionally or you work part-time or whatever that looks like for you. Um, I, I think that it's, it's hard to be discerning. And, and like we said, I look at, I look at like the productive stress. That's the thing where it's like, it's short term. It keeps you motivated. You're, you're like, okay, I'm energized to get these tasks done. But those should also be coupled with periods of when I say rest, I don't necessarily mean like rest on the couch, but like stuff when you're, you know, alternatively doing things more for enjoyment, like things that kind of bring you down a notch. Right. And I think because especially if you are more, you identify as being a productive person, it's really hard to allow yourself kind of permission to do that. The problem, I think, becomes when we're we don't even realize that we're doing too much, and when that goes on for too long, you know, that's where we do start to get into this burnout phase, and that's when, you know, you feel worried and anxious all the time. You could, you know, you your cognitive, you know, abilities. I was having a menopause moment there, but your cognitive abilities go down. So a lot of women, you know, when they get into perimenopause, they're like, oh, you know, the, the, all the hormonal symptoms. I'm like, a lot of this is lifestyle habits. And one of those big habits is how you personally manage your stress. So, you know, the emotional, the physical stress, the emotional stress, the psychological stress, where is it in your life that you're either releasing the valve or not? And can you, and can you even be aware of that? Which I don't think a lot of women are. And so to me, I'm like, first thing we got to do is learn to take a beat and really see ourselves from like I said, like a 10,000 foot view, like get out of your head and into your body and take a breath. And then you like, and then like, this seems so simple, but like, even to this day, when I feel like really amped up, I have to remind myself to do that. Like, okay. You know, not everything is going to get done (laughs) and that's okay. You know, not everything, you don't need to volunteer to bake cupcakes for one more thing, or, you know, like say yes to everything that you're invited to. And, but, you know, I I think if you're wired to be that way, it's, it's hard to see otherwise. And listen, I, I have clients that I see still doing this, still, still works in progress, still going back into the same patterns. I see myself doing it sometimes, not as, not with exercise at, at all. I'm recovering from knee surgery right now, but, um, just, you know, and as far as like running my business, there's always some creative idea that I have of something I could start working on. It's like almost can't hold myself back from pursuing it, you know? And I'm like, let's just put that in the parking lot right now. We'll come back to it later, you know? So, but yeah, I don't think we we really see it very clearly until it becomes like absolute full, you know, again, yes, it can manifest itself in weight, gut issues, mental health issues, you know, depression, brain fog, lack of motivation, getting sick a lot, like your immune system really, you know, takes a hit. Um, Lots of, lots of, lots of, no positives come out of it. That's for sure. Yeah. And I'm glad you identified that. That was actually my next question for you is like bringing some awareness to these symptoms that actually might be related to your lifestyle and your stress versus, oh, it's my hormones or my thyroid or something like that. Like all of those different systems actually are influenced by stress. Like literally the FDN training that I did at the heart of like most issues was stress. And it's so hard to tell a woman that like the reason you're gaining weight or the reason why you're not building muscle, it's because of how you're living your life and the stress that you're putting yourself under every day. Maybe it's not necessarily like your thyroid or blood sugar, although those things are very much impacted. But that's a tough conversation to have with a woman because, you know, to take a medication or a supplement or, you know, eliminate gluten from your diet, those are quote unquote easy things, but to deal with like the mental emotional part of it, that is hard. And that takes change and time. And just, as you said, like a lot of women like fall back into that. And I mean, I'm a recovering (laughs) stressed out, burned out woman, but there are still times that I find myself falling back into those habits. But, you know, for somebody that's listening right now, they're like, yeah, I'm probably stressed. Some of those symptoms resonate with me. I can't lose weight. I'm not seeing body composition changes. Like, where do you start with all of this? Because I do think like some of it is like a little bit cheesy or maybe things that like don't make sense for your lifestyle. So like in my early days of dealing with burnout, people are like, you just need to meditate and spend more time watching sunsets. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I, I can think about do. things I'm not doing. 
you know what? I a hundred percent agree with you. The very first thing you said there was that, you know, I think that we, we, the easy it's quote easy thing is to say, Oh, I've got to give up certain foods or I just have to follow a macro plan or I just have to make sure I'm strength training three times a week. The harder, the harder thing is to take a look at your patterns, right? Because that, that, that involves getting to know yourself better. Right. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, a lot of women spend a lot of time in self-judgment mode about their bad habits around food and exercise and all that. So like, that's, that's a, they can indulge that conversation, that story that they tell themselves, but the self-awareness that is required to recognize what we do to ourselves, especially I'll bring it back to that boundaries around time, boundaries around emotions, all of that, which ultimately I think comes back to how women are tend to be more in the people pleasing camp. And ultimately it takes its toll. Now, obviously other factors are competing there, but I think to ask somebody to look at that means a complete and utter fundamental shift to their identity. Right. You like, okay, every everything that I identify, being a good mom, being a hard worker, right? All of the things that we kind of value in our culture. Now all of a sudden you're like, well, wait, what I don't really know what to do. I don't know what to do with that. Because if I'm not checking all the boxes of doing all these things that I'm known for, who, who am I? Right. So it's it's not something that you could just say, go away for a spa weekend or or you know, <laughs> just say go look at a sunset. It's not that simple. I think I think the first step, honestly, is just recognizing it in yourself for sure. And then saying, okay, what instead of feeling like I have to completely revamp my entire life, where, where could what's the lowest hanging fruit of where I could start? You literally can start, I would say, the two things that require no time, not going anywhere, is your ability to be mindful in the moment. And I know, again, some of these sound hokey, but just bear with me. Like, when is the last time that you just were fully present with where you are? Not thinking about other things, not thinking ahead, not thinking back, but literally in the present moment. So like what you see, what you hear, what you smell, your feet on the ground, that brings you into the moment. But so many of us don't do that. We're just because we're we're reactionary to like everything, right? So I would say mindfulness is probably one of the, the first thing. And then the second piece would be breathing, taking a breath. Like you don't have to do a full 30 minute breath work, but like, I know <laughs> this is just like a side note. Back in my forties, I started grinding my teeth due to stress. Oh, yeah. I was getting yeah, like there. cracks in my teeth. Oh yeah. Crazy. And the dentist is like, you know, you, you're grinding your teeth and you know you do that like out of, you know, you're processing stress in your sleep. Oh, well, I was doing it during the day. And then when I started to like, I gave myself TMJ. Mm-hmm. Like, and so I just remember I was like, oh my gosh. Like I was holding so much tension, like just driving down the road. I'm like, so what I started to do was actually when I was driving, just turn off the music, turn off everything. And just, I would just allow myself to focus on my breathing. Just focus on your breathing. That's it. And I think that is also a form of mindfulness is that ability to like get out of your head for a minute. And that the only one thing that you're focusing on is that, <laughs> is that, so as I bake to the lowest hanging fruit, those, those two things would be a place to, for somebody to start, but like more tactical things, I can absolutely talk about that as well. But those are two that are available quite literally right now, as anybody's listening to this podcast. Like pause the podcast, take a deep breath, take note of where you are. You know, I don't care if there's dirty dishes in the sink. It's okay. Like <laughs> just <laughs> or wherever or wherever you enjoy your podcast. Right. So, yeah, no, I love that. And I've, in my early days of recovering from burnout, I mean, stuff like breathing was, I don't want to say foreign, but it was one of those things I'm like, is that really going to help? I have like so much on my to-do list, so many expectations and responsibilities, but you know, years later and really kind of embracing things like this, I do the exact same thing in the car. And I do kind of like the belly breathing and really try to like, you know, like expand my ribs and my belly. And it can make such a difference. You can go from a point of being like, I want to murder this person because of X, Y, and Z to being like at kind of like peace with yourself. So I I can detach from it. Well, I think too, I mean, listen, women who are, the women who are still cycling, right. We know that there's like very definitive times of the month where you're uh, just 
ready to rage at a moment's mm-hmm. notice. So putting a little space between the response you want to do, you know, I mean, that's the other bringing it back to stress. Like that's definitely a sign of burnout is like that quickness to anger. Yeah. Like I have noticed, I have noticed that actually in a lot of my clients over the years that, 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 that overreaction to very small stressors. I'm like, oof, you know, that's like, that's, that's something bigger to unpack, but that's kind of eventually the place it can get to. We're not even talking about your weight, but like how it's affecting your relationships because of the way that you are showing up. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the breathing thing, you know, I think it's funny, I, cause I am a certified yoga teacher and I think, um, I think meditation in and of itself is great if it's your cup of tea, but I also think there are other ways to relax your body and relax your mind that don't necessarily mean that you have to sit in an upright position, you know, with your hand on your heart for 10 minute meditation. I mean, it's great if it works for you. And it's like, I used to teach meditation and I'm still just like, eh. I mean, sometimes if it feels appropriate, but to me that mindfulness and breathing, even when you're driving in a car is a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be this big epic thing that you plan, but yeah. I would say like, you know, more tactical things. And of course, you know, I always say like all roads lead back to what we, what we teach in the wellness world is like making sure that you're getting enough sleep, obviously. Right. If you can, and, and they, they are cyclical. I, I notice in myself on days where I don't schedule in white space, like to just not have anything going on, like where, you know, those days where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have like a, a moment those are the days that I tend not to sleep well because I'm so amped up from the day. It's like my body just can't relax. So I have learned the cu- couple things that I personally did in you know the past 10 years of my life. One of them was taking my business online. So I wasn't having to be to clients at six in the morning anymore. I mean, my clients are listening to this. I love you, but <laughs> I'm sleeping much better now. Because yep. the anxiety of like, you know, that you get the 3 a.m. wake up call and then you're like, oh my gosh, I got to be up in two hours. I get to sleep. So I was like, that was one thing that I personally did. Um, exercise, of course, but then keep in mind, you know, if you are stressed, adding more high intensity exercise to this is literally like adding kerosene to a forest fire. Like just you, it's okay. I mean, when the goal, if, if you have a weight, a weight loss goal, I would almost say you are better off addressing your stress before you are, before you are starting to add more exercise. And if you were to do anything, I'd say, just, just start to go for a walk every day, not a power walk, just a walk. Just take your nervous system down and let you know, activate your nervous system, um, your, your parasympathetic nervous system, and, you know, be able to learn to just like chill out and be in the fresh air and get the sunlight in your eyes and all of those things, you know, they all, they all feed into ultimately a more restful way of being, but then also a better night's sleep. But I'd say the biggest one is stop taking on everything. (laughs) Learn to say, learn to be discerning and to say no to things that are just taking up space in your life. And I think that that's really, that's, I mean, all of these have been challenging on some level for me in different seasons of my life. I'm sure you probably feel the same being a business owner. Like sometimes a lot of things do seem of equal importance and how's it all going to get done? And, but you have to go, okay, what, what really, what really has to get done and what can just be left undone? (laughs) It's just a matter of, you know, I, as a side note, like last couple of weeks ago, when I was in a, talking about um, on Instagram, there's a couple of, I had taken, I do the thing that I would say that I like, I never want to do is like, oh, here's what I eat today. Cause people will ask us all the time. Right. And I'm like, listen, I never want my food to be your highlight, you know, the highlight reel of like, do as I do, but more to just show an example. But I was like, I'm going to be fun with it because I have a really not so weak. And I know that I won't have time to cook really. So how am I getting around that? So I was like, I'm having a stressful week. So the last thing I'm going to do is expect myself to a cook perfect dinners, but also B, I still need to make sure that I'm eating nutritious food and eating consistently during a high stress period so that I can weather this week (laughs) as well as possible, right. And still feel good. Um, so, you know, all that to say, just, you have to learn to take some things off your plate and readjust your expectations about what, where you're spending your time and what you're committing to and, and strip it down to the essential things because it's too easy to get caught up in the things that quite frankly are not. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I kind of like that you said that too, because I do think we just expect so much of ourselves and there's so many things that we can do, but I do think a lot of times it is like lowering your expectations, like what you're capable of in a day and also being okay with that. I, I think that yeah. was hard for me being that like type a perfectionist, like 
Am I really going to say no to all of these things and just do, you know, one or two things? But if you think about doing less better, you're going to have a lot more confidence. Like there's going to be that level of momentum instead of doing 8 million things and like kind of half-assing it and feeling bad about yourself because you're not doing everything perfectly. So I do think it is one of those things like just figuring out where those boundaries are, like your perceived level of time and what you can devote. But um, yeah, just not, not feeling bad about it either. I think that's really like a tough place for women to be as far as that, like shame and guilt about, you know, not doing the PTA and making the cupcakes and and all of that. Yeah. And that's what I mean by like, when we're talking about, you know, alleviating stress, we're like, okay, we can, we can tell you things like, you know, go for walks, not mm-hmm. too high intense exercise. Like those are all tangible, but the real work starts with you letting go of some of the the expectations you put on yourself. It's a, it's a self, you know, it's definitely a self-made thing that so many of us, myself included have been guilty of. So I'm not, I'm definitely not pointing fingers. I just think it's, it's so incredibly common and you know, it, it, and it's, and it, and it takes work. It takes work because if you've been operating under a certain way for a long time to expect yourself to just change on a dime, it just isn't realistic. You know, I still, you know, even to this day, like, you know, doing this online business for me is now three years in the making. I mean, there's when you're a business owner, there's always something that needs to be done. Oh, multiple things. Right. So, and it's like, well, let me just go back to my computer one more time. Like, no, this is your time to like, I do like a, I, I call my, I have in the afternoon, I have, I call story time and I just go on my, on my couch or on my bed. And I read a, I read a book that is not fitness or health and related, <laughs> not mindset related, like something that's a novel. Sometimes I fall asleep. Sometimes I don't, but that's my, you know, that's kind of my press pause in a day moment that helps me just kind of stay grounded and and work and do something that is quite literally not productive at all. There's nothing, uh, the only, you know, rest is productive if you let it be, but to your point, it is a mindset. It's a, it's, it's shifting your perspective around that and being accepting of yourself that you, if if you want to do more, you actually have to learn how to do less. Mm -hmm. Yep. For sure. Yeah. And I do, like you were saying with the mindset, I do feel like a lot of women want these like immediate results and these like oh, yeah. changes and like something like that mindset emotions like that is so drilled into our core that like it's going to take a little time to unravel so i think if you are patient with yourself and you also know it's going to be just an, an uncomfortable experience to like do less and like read a book and like take more rest days from your fitness routine it's like it's going to be awkward and feel weird at first but i think it is just continuing to do that, you know, working towards that goal, being more consistent, but like not giving up on yourself and like falling back into those old habits again and again, not that that it never happens, but I do think like the mindset around it is really important. It's just giving yourself more patience and grace and kindness. And I know that sounds so like cheesy and woo, but I think like once you're there, it does get a lot easier to like make these changes and be like, this is going to be awkward and weird and not what I'm used to. And it might be a little bit hard, but yeah. And those strategies too, that yet that whatever your particular strategy is that you use to decompress or to like give yourself some truly what we're talking about is self-care, right? It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, self-care might be going to get a pedicure. Absolutely. But it also might be reading a book in the middle of the afternoon, right? It's just learning to like to notice it. So, and it, a couple of days ago, I actually did a post on this because it's ironic that you and I are talking about stress. Cause I could, I could absolutely feel my stress building and how I know it in myself is I'm like, I start to forget things. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I, I find that my focus starts to go and it's like, you know, yes, my, I'm not, in, I'm not fully menopausal yet, but I'm like, I'm getting there. So I know like, yeah, I can feel these definite shifts in my hormones. I definitely, you know, the brain fog is definitely a very more real thing. And so my, you know, my strategy around that, what do I have to do? Well, I have to make sure I'm getting enough sleep. I got to make sure I'm eating enough. I got to, you know, take time to clear my head so that I can be more productive when that time comes. But that's takes me knowing myself that I can recognize it. And I'm not so good at catching it initially because there's still all those, I have a million things to do. The other thing we didn't even, we didn't even say it was like another tactical thing that is something that I do when I teach to my clients, I'm a big advocate of just doing a massive brain dump especially mm-hmm. since you go to bed, like before you go to bed, just literally everything that you are like 
ruminating on in your mind, like the, the endless loop that we all have in our brains of to do, just write, just I, like, I take like a big piece of paper and I literally write it all down and I'm like, okay, really, what is the most essential thing here tomorrow that needs to get done? Three things. That's it. You know, you can categorize later on, but at least you're, put it this way, you don't have to keep thinking about it because now it's, you've put in, put pen to paper and it's there and you won't forget. Like you will, you will be able to come back to it and clear your brain for some R and R, which, you know, you need, you, we need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the, the brain dump as well, because you'll just yeah. keep ruminating on it forever. <laughs> and, forever and that's going to wreck your sleep. And it's just going to be a, a, a rough day. Like, I you know, know, I know. And that's, and you realize you're like, it's something so simple. I actually used to do that too. When I would go, like when I was getting ready to travel, it always felt like everything became an emergency. I'm like, well, the reality is I'm only gone for like five days. Like I don't need to make that Amazon return today, <laughs> but it feels like it. Like when you're going to go away, like you have to literally get everything in your life done. We're like, no, you don't really. But I think, you know, you take that on a more micro level on your day to day, like yeah, there's always going to be a to-do list, but pick, especially when we know like about the science of habit change, I think somebody doing this could just say, you know, pick, pick three essentials for the day and let that be good enough because Mm -hmm. that small win of accomplishing the three things that you said you were going to do, you know, obviously appropriate to the time that you have, but that's going to, you know, that's going to be like, okay, I feel pretty good about that. You might have some anxiety about like, oh, there's more I could be doing. And absolutely, I'm not saying don't do more than three things, but say, okay, what or what's the next tier down on this list of something if I feel I have extra energy to do this today? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. You know, calling yeah. the vet, making a doctor's, all those little things, you know, that, that there's a the to do list never, never freaking ends. Never end. Never end. <laughs> never <will. laughs> so one of the things I mentioned right when we started chatting today is just how much I love following you on Instagram. Um, obviously we'll include your handle and whatnot, but some of the things I think are the most engaging posts are at least on your account and maybe my account too, because I do this sometime as well. But you talk about kind of like the secrets of like losing weight and like navigating this time in life and whatnot. And I I think we've talked about some of them as far as like stress management probably being number one on the list and sleep and whatnot, but any other, you know, quote unquote secrets um, that you might want to share as far as like weight loss and perimenopause and menopause and, you know, just working towards those physique goals. I mean, that's a huge thing in the carrots and cake community. Yeah, I am a big, you know, I would say the one, one departure that I have made in the past 20 plus years of nutrition coaching is quality of food, hands mm-hmm. down. So, you know, we talked about, we talked about sleep and stress, right? We talked about everything that surrounds that. But then as far as like regular exercise, I think strength training for women at every phase of life, but in particular in midlife is absolutely critical. It doesn't, you don't have to be going to CrossFit. That's one way to do it. You don't have to be powerlifting. I keep my body strong with just as I'm pointing the dumbbells with a set of dumbbells and a pull-up bar and a TRX. Like that's kind of the season of life I'm in. And right now it's working, you know, it's working for me. So I don't, I don't necessarily feel like I've got to go and keep upping the, the level that's where, you know, again, that might not be everybody's cup of tea, but I think something that you feel yourself doing consistently, obviously your heart health is very, very key. Um, making sure as we record that it's world menopause day today, and it's, the theme is cardiovascular health. And that what a lot of women don't realize is that, you know, that's, that's the biggest risk factor you face post-menopause is, is a heart attack, right. Or cardiovascular disease, you know, because when you lose estrogen, it affects, absolutely affects your heart. So making sure that your heart is healthy. How do you do that? Regular, you know, cardiovascular exercise. So, you know, I think in our, I think you probably agree, like in our space, like the wellness space, we talk a lot about like, strength training, strength training. Yes. Got to make sure you have that muscle mass to protect your bones. It's going to help keep your metabolism healthy, really great for blood sugar regulation. And so is cardio. We're not saying not do the cardio, but it's just don't, don't just do cardio and expect that that's going to be, I know we're adding more to your to-do list, right? But it doesn't have to be a lot. You know, it's like what, I think what's the recommendation is like 150 minutes per week. Is that what it is? Yeah. Something like that. It's over a hundred minutes. Yeah. So it's like 30 minutes a day, but it doesn't have to be, you know, however you want to 
however you wanted to spice it up, 10 minute walks were fine. Um, you know, a little time on a spin bike or something like that, but you know, you do want to get your heart rate up a little bit. You just don't want to be like overdoing it. Um, I do think, you know, in the exercise piece, hit training is appropriate in levels where you get enough recovery time. And also you don't have any orthopedic concerns, but I don't like, I don't like people that just jump into hit. That wouldn't be where I'd start somebody. If they're new, I'd say, let's just start with the strength training. Cause you want to be able to build up some strength before you start putting your body through that kind of stuff. And then, but the nutrition, bringing it back to the nutrition piece, I think, you know, women, women in their forties and fifties and really beyond, I think we grew up in a culture where it was all about like, we all, not we all, but many wanted to be smaller. Mm-hmm. It was all about the, you know, looking, looking, looking the, you know, a certain way. Um, I think the conversation around that is somewhat changing with younger women, but I do think it's hard to kind of take that out of your self-identity, right? Women, I think as I said, most 95% of the clients I work with, even though I don't market myself as a fat loss coach, they're coming to me for that also. That's like a goal. That's a goal that's in there. So I think in midlife, um, the quality of food that you're eating, how consistently you're eating, how well you are feeding yourself is absolutely matters. So this is where I kind of departed from the macro counting thing. I'm like, yeah, that's one way to do it, but you could count macros and be eating crummy processed foods, but it's not going to, it's not, it's not going to support your gut health. And that's one thing I think a lot of women don't realize is how your gut does change. And in, in when your hormones change as well, and you're going to be a lot more susceptible to, to gi- digestive disorders that were never a thing before, you know, due to, due to, I think, you know, stress, obviously we know pays a huge role in digestive health, but also the type, the type of food that you're eating. And, um, I, I have my own journey with that as well. So really took several years to kind of get to a place where I felt good again. Um, but that definitely threw me into like, okay, you know, <laughs> I made a mistake. I think it's time for, you know, time for things that are maybe not health, you know, not the quote healthy options, but making sure that, you know, for the most part, 80 to 90% of the food that you eat is whole foods. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree a hundred percent. I always say that to our clients, especially the group group coaching clients and one-on-one clients. I say, if you learn anything from me during this program, it's just to eat more whole foods, because I do think this is where we've really lost ourselves, or maybe this is why so many people have blood sugar issues or insulin resistance or weight loss issues is because of all this processed diet food. And you think, you know, just because it's low calorie and it's, you know, sugar-free or whatever the label says, it's, you know, the best thing for weight loss. And a lot of times that stuff is just making your health so much worse. So no, I know it's, it's programming. Yeah. We say it too. And I, it's like, okay, it sounds like common sense. Right. But a lot of this goes into like, you know, I don't want to get really psych, you know, psychology, but your family of origin, like how did your family eat growing up? Were you, you know, whole food, whole food, were you whole foods based family or were you all about like convenience? And that, that stuff trickles down. I think, you know, my kids used to make fun of me. I've, I've never been one that's been like, I have one daughter, two sons, but I was always very keen in the business that I was in to not make food like a thing as far as meaning like, I wouldn't necessarily talk in terms of like eating because you didn't want to gain weight. Like that, those words never came out of my mouth. I was very much, cause I just worked with too many women who were strong, you know, had struggled around that. And I was like, I would never do that to my daughter. So, you know, the way that I kind of approached it with my kids is like, you know, you want to feel good in your body. And the way to do that is to eat higher quality foods. And that was just kind of like what we did. It's not to say that we didn't ever have treats in the house, but that just wasn't the go-to, you know? But I think we grow up in a culture in many ways that is, um, yeah, largely dependent on convenience. One of the questions I get a lot is like, you know, what's a, what's a good, what's a quick breakfast? What's a, you know, what's a good energy bar? What's a good protein powder? I'm like, I get that you want some options for convenience, but the better question to ask is like, how do I build a meal that's so effortless that I actually can find time to nourish myself without reaching? How many clients do you have that like, they want, they want to eat a bar and call it breakfast? Oh yeah. 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 That's, that's a tough conversation too. It is, you know, and I get it. Cause I was there. Remember like balance, remember balance bars. Like I used to love those, but like a little, you know, like a Reese's peanut butter cup. And I'm like, and then you'd be starving an hour later. 
<laughs> I don't care how many grams of protein and it's not, you know, it's not a good healthy choice. And, and admittedly, as I said, I, I, I have my own, you know, my own uh, journey around that as well. And I, I still have to remind myself like, okay, you're an adult now you have to mother yourself. You have to cook yourself some dinner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agree. Agree. hundred percent. I was the, uh, light and fit yogurt with Kashi cereal, which if you oh, have a Probably like two, maybe 200 calories for breakfast. And it's like, no wonder I was starving and no wonder I had sugar cravings all day. I know. No, exactly. I was like that even in the, even in the gym, like the days of the gym, because my clients were so close. I had no break between clients. So I'd be like a little bite of food. And then I'm like, okay, we're going to do, here's the workout. And I just operated that way for years. It's like, I say to people, I'm like, I want you to think about it like this. When it comes to fat burning, it's not like trying to put yourself in a, in a deficit at all costs. You really are better off, like with the big logs on the fire. That's making sure that you're having protein, fiber, healthy fats, some, you know, good quality carbohydrates, literally every time you put food in your mouth. But if you're constantly grazing and snacking like that, it's like trying to like keep a fire going with just kindling. It just doesn't you know, it's not a good practice. Plus it's horrible for your digestive tract. So that's, you know, that's one thing that I didn't realize that I was doing to myself, but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as I say, hindsight is 2020. (laughs) You know better, hopefully you do better. So yeah, no better, do better. That's what I always tell our clients too. Um, So before we wrap up here, I did want to touch upon something that was a little, not off topic, but something that we have in common as far as injuries go. Injury oh, yeah. in the sense that we love fitness and injury is obviously going to put a little bit of wrench into our routine. But what would your advice be for somebody who is injured, um, still wants to work out and then, you know, doing what's best as far as like recovery and just getting back to where you are? Because it's hard to tell somebody who's injured not to work out or not to do what they used to do. Totally. I think, well, I would say the first thing is you have to just give yourself some grace and be patient. Mm -hmm. And the recovery is, and I look in the mirror when I say this, as I recover from ACL and meniscus repair. So um, it's going to take the time it takes, right? It's not like, it's not like you could say, okay, on December 1st, I'm going to be perfectly better. You know, you've got to go, especially if it's, um, especially if it's an injury that's requiring that, you know, is going to take some time, right? Some people just have like, I know you just had like a shoulder or neck thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Back thing. I got, I got right. some things, some yeah. things this year. And and I remember you and I talking at the mastermind where you're like, I, Oh, when you hurt your back, you're like, and I knew the day I did it, that was not smart. Right. We, we do it too. Right. We, we have that, that conversation with ourselves. We get a little competitive. We maybe do things that we push ourselves a little too hard, but as far as getting back, I think number one, yeah. Give yourself some patience and grace because it's going to take the time it takes. But I would say also, you know, it, you don't have to, you don't have to, this is where the all or nothing mindset doesn't really serve any of us, right? Because if we start to devi- define our way of staying fit as being only one way to do it, and it was the way we were doing it before, then we don't really leave ourselves open to explore other modalities or to work on other things. So um, I think I, I've done this with clients too. Like an example of this, I had a client last, um, my client, Sandy, she's we've worked together for like nine years, something like that. She has, a, she had a pretty severe ankle surgery. And then she ended up having a, cu- a couple years later, um, an ankle replacement. And mm-hmm. now this was like, so she was like non-weight bearing for four months at one point, And then again, and, you know, through the rehab of that, I'm like, it's okay. We're just going to do everything from the knees up, you know? So there's so much you can do to keep your body strong and work around your injuries. I would say, you know, lower backs are tough because everything is centered from your core. So, um, but it's really, to me, it's like finding, finding the, the gratitude for the things that you actually can do and releasing the, the attachment to the old way of doing things is really the the best way I know to stay sane. And I, you know, I'm having to do it right now because I'm, nine weeks, 10 weeks post-surgery today, actually. And it's, it's, it's been a long road. Absolutely. Like I'm, there's still, I you know lost a lot of muscle mass in my right leg. Um, not as stable. You definitely can't do like heavy lower body stuff. So I'm like, okay, so what can I do? Working on my pull-ups. <laughs> like I'm going to just focus on other things that help me feel like I'm still, you know, I have a movement practice that's supporting not just my physical health, but my mental health as well. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm glad you yeah. 
Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm I'm glad you described it as a movement practice instead of like an exercise routine or my workout routine or something like that. Because I do think when you are injured, it's hard not to think like I need like a 60 minute workout or I need to sweat, you know, for the next however long, 30 minutes or whatever. It's hard to think that like movement can still quote unquote count um, for exercise. And I do think like changing that mindset around it is really helpful. And then also what you said, just the timeline, like I was that person that, you know, I would hurt myself and be like, all right, I'll be back at the gym in a week. <laughs> and then like you get to your forties, fifties and beyond. And you're like, yeah. no, it doesn't happen like that anymore. It's going to take a little longer. <laughs> I, I jokingly say, I was like, if you've made it to age 50 without a significant injury or setback in your body, you're pretty much a unicorn. Totally. Totally. Forties <laughs> is like, everybody hurts their back. Yeah, I was like, everybody, the, I always say like the, the wheels start falling off the bus and all of the things that, you know, maybe were not working so well in your body that you've ignored over the years. Mm-hmm. Pick it up with you. And that, yep. you know, it's just a fact. I mean, it's funny. I have a, my um, oldest son is 32. He'll be 32 this month. And he was saying to me, he's like, yeah, you know, um, they were, his girlfriend was actually contemplating a back surgery that she had Mm -hmm. an accident last year. And he said, yeah, they said, you know, one of the wrists is arthritis. I'm like, oh, honey, she's going to get arthritis anyway. (laughs) Don't worry about it. (laughs) That's a, that's a common part of aging. You know, the degree to which it's debilitating you is different. I'm like, don't, don't let that be a, you know, (laughs) a reason to not, but, um, but I think, yeah, having a healthy, you have to have a, a sense of humor as you get older, right? Because some things are going to happen in your body that, as we said, there's, we started this conversation around the stress piece of like, there's things you can control and there's things you can't control. And while you are largely an agent of your own health and many of the choices that you make day to day, there are certain things that you that, you know, you couldn't have foreseen necessarily having a back injury. I didn't know I was going to need double hip replacements by the time I was 50. You know, there was, there was no, there was no indication of that. So it was like, okay, I make the decision and now we're going to move forward with a, with an attitude of focusing on, you know, gratitude for what you, what you can still do. Mm-hmm. So. I agree. That's helped me a lot too. And I mean, it's like little things at this point, because when I first hurt my back, it's like, actually kind of like my hip butt. Um, I couldn't even walk up and down the stairs. And I mean, let alone carry our senior dog up and down the stairs. And now I do take that like mental (laughs) note and like a little piece of gratitude every time I carry the dog down the stairs for the 10th time during the day. But just knowing that I've come so far from where I was with the pain and the injury, um, but reminding myself, it's just, it's just so important that there are so many things you can do. So just not dwelling that, I can't do a snatch from the floor right now, but I can carry the dog down the stairs. That's why I always say it's like, that might, that just might not be on the menu right now. Like, you know, right my now, right they're now. like I, can't, I can't do this. I can't do that. Just like how, let's reframe it because that's such a negative thing to say. Like your, like your body is hearing that like, okay, that's just not on the menu right now. It's just not on mm-hmm. the menu right now. It's okay. We can, yeah. we can choose other thing. I know. And I think like the whole conversation around stress, bringing it back to that, like, I think it's very easy to say, well, just, you know, have a gratitude practice. But I think what people don't often realize about a gratitude practice and what that truly is, it's not like, oh, I have an injury. Oh, I'm thankful that I, you know, I like my house and, you know, my kids are healthy. Yeah, that's one. But like, what is the actual struggle and where is the bright spot in that? So as an example of that, for me, like when I had um, I had hip dysplasia, which is a congenital thing, and I had to have hip, double hip replacements within the course of a couple of years. And I'm like, well, this sucks, but God, I'm like grateful. This is even an option mm-hmm. like that, that the medical technology has come so far that you can have a surgery like that and actually bounce back pretty darn quickly. Like mm-hmm. it, you know, surprisingly, you know, so it's was like, wow, because the rest of my life would have been really miserable if I, if I didn't have that as an option, there was a lot of pain going on with that. So I look at it like that, like, wow, that's, I am lucky enough to live in a time where I don't have to walk around the rest of my life limping. Like I can actually go back to activities that I like, you know, thankfully I have, you know, I have insurance that helps me to afford it, like things like that, you know, and I don't, not to be, you know, it helps, I think, lend perspective, lens perspective, um, especially, yeah, when you're dealing with injuries and setbacks is to be able to find that, you know, that silver lining in there somewhere. 
So agree. still hard, still hard. Yep. And before we wrap up here, um, we just love for you to tell listeners where they can find you, uh, maybe a little bit about your programs, how they can work with you, all of that good stuff. Yeah. So um, at Jennifer Kirsch Fitness is my Instagram handle. It's also my website. And my last name is K-I-R-S-C-H. And I, my programs, I actually have four, six, seven programs now. Um, they're all on my, many of them are on my website. I have some beginner programs that are, um, in an, in an app that you can get that are six week, like kind of starter strength programs that you can go self-paced. There's little video demos in there and you can keep track of your weights, sets and reps and all that good stuff. And then I also have follow along programs that are video based, sort of like I would say, like, remember the old DVD series? I have those and they are all eight weeks long. And then in 2024, like publicly putting myself on the hook, I am starting an online studio where you can work out with me live. So, yeah, so that's going to, that's a fun extension of what I have been doing for many years, but I have a lot of folks that have done my programs that want to continue on a more regular basis rather than just being bound to a eight week program. So we're going for it. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Lots of good stuff coming up. Well, I loved having you here. This was a great conversation and I think it's going to be really helpful just helping ladies out there who are maybe a little type A perfectionist, want to do everything perfectly, um, just reframe stress and maybe some of the mindset behind it because it is hard. And I mean, you know, just the two of us in our own struggles, I don't think we're alone. I think there's just a lot of expectations on women and, it can, it can just be hard. It can just be hard as far as just everything that we're quote unquote supposed to do. So, you um, know, I always think about the wording around that. I'm like, I don't yeah. want to should, and I don't want to say have to, cause you have mm-hmm. to learn to like say what's, you know, what, what is part of the, what am I able to take on my plate rather than adding on more? And I think, you know, women are already struggling enough with trying to take on all the things, right. That mm-hmm. that's adding more of the to-do list of the well in the wellness equation. Um, is, you know, it's, it's overwhelming and that's really not, you know, not the best way to start to get yourself to, to change. You do have to give yourself a little self-compassion and mm-hmm. yep. sometimes. Yeah. Agree. Agree. Well, thank you so much for being here and I will see you in Sedona in a couple of weeks. Yeah. All right. Sounds thank good. Thank you so much.